Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bottled Up Podcast, and the Daytona 500 has come and passed. It was last Sunday, originally scheduled, and then moved to Monday after a rain delay. The winner of the race was Denny Hamlin. He's won three of the last five races, won two in a row, but that was not was what, that was not what everyone was talking about after the race. If you haven't seen the big wreck involving Ryan Newman, um... I hope there's room for two under that rock that you've been living under. <laughs> it was a, an absolutely massive wreck. It was unbelievable to watch uh, live. Um, I wasn't there in person, but watching it live on television was really an incredible moment. It brought back memories of, I believe it was 2014, the July Daytona race where Austin Dillon was turned and went up and spun along the fence and went down, crashed into the grass. And the car was sliding upside down and was hit again by Brad Keselowski, basically torn into a th- the, the center uh, cockpit where the driver sits was about all that was left of the car. And Austin Dillon, it, was, it came to rest upside down. Somehow Austin Dillon climbed out and was completely unharmed. I, I remember that and seeing that and thinking that he had been killed in that wreck, you know, before he even climbed out of the car with just how massive of an impact it was and the multiple impacts. And we saw that again on Monday night with Ryan Newman. We're coming to the checkered flag. Ryan Blaney was getting behind him to push him. He was going to, as he says, push his fourth teammate to the win. And it looked like Ryan Newman had it going into the tri-oval. And just a, a bump from Blaney turned Ryan Newman's car, got him into the wall, perpendicular to the wall where the nose hit head-on, and the car, or I'm sorry, the car driver's side hit, and then that sent him up into the air where he was hit perpendicular by Corey LaJoy, where Corey LaJoy's nose of the car went right into the driver's side area right above the window uh, of Ryan Newman's car, and then the car came back down, landed on that exact same spot that Corey LaJoy hit. It looked like the chassis actually fractured, when Ryan Newman hit the ground and, and broke, you could see it flex in a way that it really should not have. The car slid and came to rest about 150 yards, I'd say, from where it first took off. And it was uh, it was terrifying, truth be told, to watch. And the rescue crews were right on scene. The car was on fire. There was fuel dripping out, and the car was on fire. Ryan Newman hadn't put the window net down or given any indication that he was okay, which is very concerning. The first thing the drivers do is they put the windows ne- window nets down to let the safety crews know they're all right. We didn't see any sort of motion inside the car, and the safety crews flipped the car over, and they put up black screens when they removed Ryan Newman from the car. And that was the first key sign that something was, was very, very wrong. Uh, they cleared the media off of Pit Road, which was another big sign, and they took him immediately to the Halifax Medical Center, and it was about two and a half or so, three hours later, that we finally got an update on Ryan Newman that somehow he was in serious condition, but okay and alive. And it was, I think, really a, a, a welcome surprise, a very happy surprise to everyone that he wasn't you know, in critical condition, that he was okay and that he survived the wreck. And 
a lot of this can be attributed to something called the Newman Bar. After a major wreck in 2009, he began lobbying where pretty much the same thing. The car was up in the air uh, for Ryan Newman, and he began lobbying for an additional bar. So the NASCAR chassis are essentially streetcar chassis beefed up where they've got more padding on the sides. They've got more security to keep the drivers safe. Your standard streetcar will never go 200 miles an hour, so they don't need that protection that these cars do, that the, the NASCAR cars do. And the Newman Bar, implemented in 2009, is where uh, the windshield fits in. There's a bar at the top and a bar at the bottom in a standard car. Well, a couple inches below that top bar above the windshield is a second bar called the Newman Bar, and it provides additional security keeps the chassis intact and its additional support there by adding that second bar it's a huge increase in the amount of force that that car can withstand in a direct impact to that area without that bar there Ryan Newman might not have survived that wreck and it's absolutely amazing uh, still days later thinking about it how he survived that and we, we wanted on today's episode of Bottled Up to, to talk about some of these things and talk about these safety innovations. And, but before we dive into that, we do have a mineral sponsor. We're going to be uh, so, we are so grateful to them because these are what help keep the show going so that we can talk about these amazing steps forward in innovation and safety to keep these drivers alive and safe no matter how many wrecks they get into. It's absolutely incredible. So thank you to our uh, huge thank you to all of our sponsors. And we're going to get a mid-roll segment out of the way so that we can dive into all of the safety innovations that NASCAR has made. Today's mid-roll sponsor is the Mod Hop Podcast. And we have to give a huge thank you to them, first and foremost, for sponsoring the show because it is a huge help here to us at the Bottled Up Podcast. It's what keeps the show going. So the Mod Hop Podcast, first off, you can find them at modhop.com. But... I know a lot of you guys travel, whether you're going to races, whether it's for pleasure, you're going camping, what have you. I do a lot of travel as well. But with the Mod Hop podcast, you learn more about traveling in itself. DIY travel arrangements can be tough. Each week, you can join experienced travel blogger, plane enthusiast, and awkward party host Jake Redman as he and his travel-addicted co-host Anthony Ryan navigate modern travel from the best plane seats to the worst hotel rooms. They go and dig up the latest options in travel to help make you a better travel planner. You can listen wherever you download podcasts or at modhop.com. They are a uh, great show. You learn more about traveling. You can find out what the best of the best is. It's a fun show to listen to. It's a great time. Thank you to them, ModHop.com, for sponsoring this episode of Bottled Up. Now, when we think NASCAR safety innovation over the past 20 years, the first thing that comes to mind is the crash in 2001 involving Dale Earnhardt Sr. that ultimately took his life. And that was a huge point in history for NASCAR where it was realized that even the Intimidator, even a man seen as invincible, could still have the unthinkable happen to him. And when NASCAR realized this, they dove in, they made, the first thing was the Hans device necessary. It protects the neck, uh, the shoulders, and the head, and basically prevents major whiplash in a wreck. It helps keep the driver's neck in one place and safe and secure so that they don't break their neck, they don't have whiplash, or any major injury to the neck or head. That is a huge innovation for the sport. It was adapted into other sports. IndyCar, Formula One, pretty much any other major racing series now uses the Hans device purely because of how effective it is. On top of this, closed face helmets were made mandatory. When 
it was realized that these open face helmets were dangerous, where there literally was an open face. You had protection over the side of the head and the top of the head, but nothing covering your face. It was changed so that you had to have a closed face helmet. You put the entire helmet on over your head. Think of a motorcycle helmet if you can't think of what a NASCAR helmet looks like, though I'm sure all of you know what one looks like nowadays. Those were made mandatory when they actually didn't used to be, and I don't think many people realize that. Another big thing that comes to mind is the safer barriers all around the track. They are not the concrete that is that used to be the track walls, where if the drivers went up, they would just nail concrete at 160, 170, and in today, it would be about 200 miles an hour. And we've seen what happens. Uh, if you remember, Kyle Busch in an Xfinity car nailed a portion of the wall that was not covered in safer barrier and broke his leg. Actually, it was a compound fracture. The bone poked through the skin. A major, major injury. He ended up winning the championship that year against all odds, really. It was absolutely incredible to see, and that was almost a storybook year for NASCAR. And that's going to be a future segment we start doing, is certain episodes will be Cinderella stories, storybook, you know, years in NASCAR, things that come to mind. Martin Truex Jr., his whole career, uh, really his whole career. Kyle Busch in 2015 when he won the championship, but that is besides the point. The safer barriers are shock-absorbing foam that adds another layer between the concrete wall and the drivers. So they hit the wall, and the foam absorbs the shock of the race car. It is a huge, huge relief in the impact where it dissipates the force along the wall, and it's it saved many, many drivers. We have seen wrecks where cars hit areas without the safer barrier compared to wrecks where they do hit it. It is a world of difference, and the safer barriers are the second largest thing, I would say, in the past 20 years that have really made an impact. The safer barriers and the Hans device are the two biggest safety innovations that they've made in NASCAR to make sure that these drivers are safe when they get into wrecks. Another major thing is the chassis design. In 2013, when the Generation 6 car, the current gen car, was created, it had a larger cockpit for the driver. It was actually four inches wider, two and a half inches taller, and there was extra padding added to the driver's side door. It could take a direct impact from another car at full speed into the driver's side door without failing. It's a double uh, rail on there, so basically two support bars similar to the Newman bar that we discussed earlier that is on there, and it just it can take a direct impact and keep the driver inside safe, and that was a huge innovation. There were also uh, energy-absorbing materials similar to, safer, to the safer barrier, as we were discussing, that were installed between the roll cage uh, uh, and the door, so the chassis itself has the basically a frame outside of it, and between that is shock-absorbing material similar to, similar to the safer barrier, and the panels were made so that when there is a major impact, they dissipate the force. It's similar to what you see in IndyCar, where if you see an IndyCar wreck, you see it and watch it, and you see the whole car almost explode. You see panels going everywhere, and... You may think that that's a indication that there was a huge hit, and it, it is, but what that does is by shooting all of the projectiles outward, it dissipates the force. You can either concentrate it into one area and have that area be strong enough to endure the force and hope that you never see a force that is stronger than the area can endure, or you dissipate the force by shooting parts out, and you see that in IndyCar especially, 
but when force hits an object, hits a solid object, that all that energy has to go somewhere. That's all kinetic energy to give a quick science physics lesson here. That energy that's moving, things that move, uh, have kinetic energy. So there's potential energy, kinetic energy. If you're holding an apple, let's say a foot off the table, it has nothing but potential energy when you're holding it at the top and nothing but kinetic energy the moment it hits the table that you're holding it above. So when that kinetic energy hits, all that energy has to go somewhere. And the energy and the G-forces that, that impact the car are what really make a difference. And if a driver endures too many G-forces, they can pass out, it can break bones, and all that energy being dissipated onto the driver at one time, that's what will injure them, that's what will kill them. So by dissipating the force, spreading it out on a wider area, it, it relieves the pressure that's on them, it dissipates where the force is going. The way pressure is calculated is force over area. So the more you increase the area that the force is applied to, the less pressure there is at a certain point. So essentially, long story short, by having an area that is meant to absorb the force and expand over that area over where the force is hitting, it will cause a, less, a lower pressure and less impact on the driver. So if you take, for one last quick example, if you take a hammer and let's say you have a, a nail that's an inch, you hit it, let's say with 100 pounds of force. That's 100 pounds per square inch. Now, if you take one that's 10 inches, let's say, and you hit it with that same 100 pounds, that's one PSI, one pound per square inch. So when you think about it, and let, that's actually assuming it's a square nail, I'm, you know, but you get the point that a larger area means less force is concentrated in one spot. So by expanding where that force is hitting, that is alleviating the pressure on the driver and causing less of an impact. That's what NASCAR has really been focusing on in all their innovations, the safer barriers, the new chassis, a stronger area with the Newman bar. All those things came together and ultimately saved Ryan Newman's life. If we saw that wreck at that speed 30 years ago, it would be a completely different outcome. And because of the safety innovations in NASCAR, Ryan Newman is alive today. He has the opportunity to drive again. We don't know what his current plans are. Ross Chastain will be filling in and driving. I realize that this was a uh, sort of impromptu science lesson there, physics lesson, but I hope it got the point across that safety in NASCAR is more important than anything else. Drivers' lives can change in the blink of an eye with one wreck, and it's absolutely incredible that Ryan Newman was able to endure that wreck and not only survive, but to walk out of the hospital under his own power, holding the hands of his two daughters on Wednesday, just two days later, really a day and a half later, he was able to survive and walk under his own power out of the hospital. It's not going to be an easy road for NASCAR in the future because now they have to make those cars even safer. Why did that car get airborne? What caused that and what can we do to prevent it? Those are all questions that are going to have to be answered and addressed by NASCAR in the coming months before the next super speedway race, before we have a chance for anything like that to happen again. Because we got lucky once. Ryan Newman is very fortunate to be alive, and we're very fortunate to have seen him survive that wreck. But you can't bank on that happening again. And you can't just hope 
that we saw something so terrible one time that it won't happen again. NASCAR has a big job in front of them to keep these drivers safe, and it's a never-ending job, and sometimes it might even be a thankless job because people don't understand the amount of work that goes in. But NASCAR has found the key, it seems, that they need to dissipate the force as much as possible, spread out where the force is impacting these drivers, whether it's on the wall with the safer barriers, whether it's through the energy-absorbing materials or energy-dissipating materials that are on the car. One way or another, they have to keep those drivers safe, and they've done a fantastic job of it, and they will continue to do so in the future. I hope this science lesson has taught you all something. Uh, I am no professor. I'm no teacher. But I did my best to explain it from an engineer's, a lowly engineer's perspective. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bottled Up.